Our scripture reading is uh, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. And uh, you're welcome, if you have a Bible, to follow along as I read. Or I don't know if it's projected or not. Um, But before we read, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of your word. We thank you that it's true and that you give it to us in love so that we would know you and trust you. Holy Spirit, would you come and do your good work among us as we hear your word? Would you open our hearts and our minds and our very lives to the reality of it so that we would see Jesus? and trust him more. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. John chapter 13, starting at verse one. Hear the word of God. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be great? What does it mean to be great? I wonder wonder how you would respond. I wonder what kinds of things would come to mind. You know, our culture and our world uh, have, have trained us and prepared us to answer that question in particular ways. We might say, to be great is to be the best. Uh, to be at the very top, to have no peers, to be first, to be the strongest, to be the most successful. You know, we might say that greatness is about prestige. It's about power. This is what we usually 
associate with greatness, and it's what we so often want, right? We want these things. We know that this is what the disciples wanted uh, because you, you remember they were always arguing about who was the greatest. Uh, in fact, in Luke's gospel, we learned that at the Last Supper, a fight broke out between the disciples precisely about this issue. Who is the greatest? Uh, who deserves the best place when Jesus um, comes and is inaugurated into his kingdom? So the disciples, like us maybe, are, are kind of preoccupied with this pursuit of greatness, going high, being the best, being first, being on top. And, and Jesus is just giving us this entirely different vision. He is uh, entirely inverting and radically reversing our notions and our conceptions of what it means to be great. Jesus shows us that in his community, among his people, true greatness is synonymous with humility. They're one and the same. To be great is to be humble. Now this isn't merely something that Jesus tells us, it's something that he shows us with his life and uh, we see it uh, almost most clearly in this passage. Let's look at three ways this passage shows us the humility of Jesus. We see it, we see his humility in that he serves. He serves. We, we see his humility in how he serves. And then we see his humility in who he serves. Okay, so first we see the humility of Jesus in that he serves. You know, Jesus, uh, he did a lot of crazy things, a lot of mind-boggling, paradigm-breaking stuff, but this is among the most extreme. Uh, in that ancient society, like ours, great and powerful people um, enjoyed their privileges, they enjoyed their power, they put themselves first, and uh, they were known for their greatness precisely because they were served by so many other people. But not Jesus. Look again at chapter 13, verse three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. He knows that the Father has given all things into his hands. Do you know what all things means? It means all things. <laughs> it means everything. Uh, like, like this is an expression of total sovereignty. The Father has given Jesus responsibility for absolutely everything. Uh, I don't know, I mean, that sounds to me like a fair amount of power and prestige. After all, we are talking about the one in whom all things hold together. Uh, if, if we had to identify the greatest, most powerful, the most impressive person there is, I mean, my money's on Jesus Christ. And what does he do? What does he do? He gets up, he lays aside his outer garments, um, he takes up this towel, and he ties it around his waist. I mean, Jesus suits up for service. You see, he's, he's beginning to radically define what it means to be great. You know, in Philippians chapter two, Paul gives us this, uh, <laughs> this mind-blowing Christological hymn 
uh, and it so deeply resonates with our passage here in the Gospel of John. In that hymn in Philippians, we learn this, that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You remember this? Now, uh, at this point, some translations make a mistake of saying something along these lines. Even though he was in the form of God, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And and see, the sense then becomes uh, something like, even though Jesus was God, he sure didn't act like it. Which isn't at all what Paul means. A better way of translating that verse would be something like this. Precisely because Jesus is in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, something to be exploited. You see, it's not that Jesus was humble even though he was God. It's that Jesus was humble precisely because he was revealing the true character, the the true nature of God. Jesus is humble because God is humble. Jesus' humility reveals and it displays none other than the very humility of God. See, if Jesus had been something less than God or something other than God, he might have used his power to serve himself, but because he is God, precisely because he is God, uh, he doesn't seek his own advantage. He looks out for the interests of others. And so he sees people, maybe people like you and me with dirty feet that need to be cleaned. And he sees people maybe like you and me with broken relationships that just desperately need to be healed. Uh, He sees people maybe like you and me who are plagued by guilt, uh, who need to be forgiven. Um, He sees people just dying under the weight of sin and shame um, who need to be saved, who need to be rescued. And so what does he do? He suits up for service. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And here uh, at the supper, we see it. The most powerful person in the world, the one who the Father has made responsible for not some things here and there, but he's made Jesus responsible for absolutely everything, all things. Um, This one serves, not despite his greatness, but as an expression of his greatness. Do you see that? The... uh, the old psychiatrist, he's written a lot of popular books, M. Scott Peck, he writes this. Until that moment, the whole point of things had been for someone to get on top, and once he had gotten on top, to stay on top or else attempt to get farther up. But here, this man, already on top, who is rabbi, teacher, master, suddenly got down on the bottom and began to serve. In that one act, Jesus symbolically overturned the whole social order. See, it's like we've had it all wrong. (laughs) I mean, he's just, he's taking our notions of what it means to be great and he's just entirely inverting them. He's, He's radically reversing them. See, it's one way that we're seeing the humility of Jesus just in the fact that he serves. 
shows us his humility. Now, let's notice how he serves. How does he do it? Well, John tells us, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, it's not just that Jesus serves that's so remarkable, it's how he serves that's so remarkable. At the supper, Jesus, he does the unthinkable. I mean, he gets up from the table and he begins to do what not even Jewish servants were required to do. He puts on the uniform of, of a slave and he gets down on his hands and his knees and he begins to wash feet. Dirty feet, grimy feet, stinky feet. The Lord of the universe goes low. He goes low. A writer named Aaron Damiani, he likens humility to a sea vessel uh, being weighed down by a stabilizing mass. And, And he writes this, he says, Ships without a load are too flimsy to last on the open waters. Without enough ballast, you know, heavy material like sandbags or lead weighing the vessel down, the choppy waters and storm weather would make quick work of any ship. The more ballast, the lower the ship sinks into the water. The lower the ship sinks into the water, the more secure it becomes and the farther it is able to travel. Such is the humility of Jesus, he says. The more of his father's love that he took on board, the lower he sank. And and so here in John, we see Jesus um, weighted down with the father's love and sinking so low to wash feet. Uh, That, friends, is unthinkable humility. Maybe, maybe more so in Jesus' day even than in ours, for, for the master to get down and to take the position of the servant. But, and you know this, you know this, uh, it becomes even more unthinkable. I mean, Jesus has not yet plumbed the depths. He will go much, much farther down. And so the Apostle Paul tells us, that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the humility of Jesus leads him to go as far down as it's possible to go. I mean, he goes all the way down to the very depths, he sinks to the very bottom. And this, friends, is our humble God. Tonight and tomorrow night, will you see the humility of Jesus and how he serves? And then finally, uh, will you see his humility and who he serves? Maybe I should just speak for myself. I mean, my guess is, for most of us, I imagine this is true for you too. It's just so much easier for me to serve people who I trust on some level are committed to me. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's easier to serve people like that than it is to serve people who I I worry 
might betray me at any moment or who might, um, you know, stab me in the back when I'm least expecting it. Uh, basically, it's easier for me to serve my friends than it is for me to serve my enemies. And I wonder if you're like that. You are like that. It's easier for you to serve your friends than it is for you to serve your enemies. And Jesus is serving his friends who are also his enemies. Uh, I mean, Jesus is serving the very ones who will soon abandon him and betray him and deny him. I mean, Peter is there, remember? Uh, you, you remember Peter? He's the one who, who tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross at all. And Jesus tells him, this is, this is the plan, Peter. This is where we're headed. We're going to Jerusalem. This is what's gonna happen when we get there. And, and Peter says, no way. No way. He's the one who tries to stop Jesus from washing his feet. Peter's constantly trying to stop Jesus. Um, he's the one who, remember, before long will be denying that he even knows Jesus. And Peter sinks down. I mean, Jesus, um, he, he sinks down. And he, <laughs> he just embraces this man, Peter's feet, and he washes them. And I imagine him doing it with great tenderness and care for this man who he knows is his friend and is also his enemy. And Judas is there. Uh, I mean, this is the one who is about to betray him. And, and John tells us explicitly that Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray him. And Jesus sinks down so low, and he takes this man Judas's feet and he washes them. And I imagine that he does it tenderly and carefully for this man who has been his friend, but he knows it's also his enemy. And, you know, all the other disciples are there, and um, every single one of them, without exception, will fail Jesus in the moment of his need. I mean, not one of them will stick around till the end. And Jesus sinks down one by one and he washes each of their feet, his friends who are also his enemies. And do you see, brothers and sisters, that this is the humble love of God? It's the humble love of God for, for you and for me. Um, and I wonder if you can trust it. And I wonder if you can receive it. Do you see that when Jesus comes to you and sinks down to serve you, um, that one thing this passage clarifies is that he's not doing that because of your faithfulness? He's not doing that because of your faithfulness. I mean, he serves you right smack dab in the middle of your failure to be faithful. He serves you when you're not being a very good friend to him. Um, despite our, our failures and our betrayals and our denials, Jesus goes low. He sinks down 
for you and for me. Which means, in just a minute, when Jesus invites us to this table, uh, it's grace. It's grace all the way down. Um, This is a table for Peter's. As hard as it is to believe, it's even a table for Judas's. It's a table where God is simply um, indiscriminate in his acceptance of those who gather with him there. I mean, he is eager to serve all who are willing to be served. Do you see that? Uh, he, He is eager to clean all who are ready to be cleaned. He's eager to give you nothing less than than his very self. So believe the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.